Christ was dead in sin, alone in a hopeless. A child of life that worked, condemned in darkness. Your mercy brought new life, and in your loving kindness, raised me up with Christ and made me righteous.
all of the things that come confess. Well, know that you are holy. Well, know that you are holy. We will sing our holy.
Thank you, Lord, for your blood that makes us clean, that wipes away all debts, wipes away all sin. If we choose to follow you and accept your son. Thank you, God, for worship. Thank you for this time. In your name, amen. Viejo Christian Church. We're so excited that you chose to worship with us this morning. If you're a first-time guest, we would love the chance to connect with you, and we've made that pretty easy. All you have to do is click the link below or text the number on your screen. Here at Mission Viejo Christian Church, we love to give, and that's because God loves to give. We would love for you to continue to give, and you can do that by giving online through the description below. We know that the events of recent weeks have caused a lot of you to have questions about how can you serve? How can you get involved? And we love that. We have a couple ways that you can do that. The first way is through our Acts 245 food drive that happens every Tuesday and Thursday from 3 to 5 p.m. We have bins out in front of the church and we would love for you to drop off dry goods, canned goods, paper goods, anything that you may have extra, or maybe you went to the grocery market and you decided to pick up two of something so that you could donate one. And we also have been partnering with Kaiser Irvine where they are running a COVID-19 ICU unit. So if you would donate healthy snacks and maybe you can write notes of encouragement, that would be just an amazing way to bless that staff. Again, if you just click the serve button on our homepage, you will find the information that you need to be able to participate in these two acts of kindness. Church, I'm so excited to continue in this sermon series, Beyond the 52. This week, we want to invite you to get uncomfortable for Jesus. As Christ followers, we want to look to Jesus' example as to how we should conduct our lives. Let's tune in and find out what Pastor Mike has to say, continuing in his series from 1 Peter. Well, good morning and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I'm so glad that you're with us and uh, thank you so much for allowing us to be in your home. You know, we've uh, been going through a book series here in First and Second Peter the last few weeks, and I've entitled it Beyond the 52. 
And the reason that I chose that is I truly believe that Christianity is to be lived beyond just the Sunday morning experience, uh, beyond just, you know, going to a church service, going to a building, uh, uh, singing a few songs, listening to a message, and then life really goes unchanged. I truly believe that life is to be an adventure, to be lived with passion and purpose, and definitely a destiny that God gives us. And when we jump into that kind of commitment, it becomes exciting. It's like we wake up the next morning and say, God, what are you going to do today? How can I be involved, Lord, in what you're doing? So it's much more than just the 52. In fact, the apostle Peter, one of the 12 followers of Christ who wrote First and Second Peter, he was writing this book to encourage, to challenge, and to help the believers in Christ to rise to the occasion of the terrible uh, circumstance that they found themselves. And they were uh, in a place of suffering, a lot of, place of, uh, a lot of places of fear and anxiety. And so when he writes this, he's like, guys, I want you to make it, but you got to stay committed. So um, I've entitled this The Power of Preparation. Um, I was reacquainted with a book that I read years ago called Wild at Heart, Heart. And in that book, the author um, talks about how life is to be lived as an adventure. Uh, life without God is basically boring. It's, it's meaningless. There's, there's no purpose. And he says in this book, basically, that we're all looking for something to live for, or better yet, someone to live for. Uh, as, as life is an adventure, it unfolds itself every single day. And the, the power of that is preparing for what God is going to do each and every day. You know, uh, years ago, I was... Uh, downstairs in my house and I um, heard some just loud music going on. We have this um, large rec room upstairs and my boys were up there. I knew they were up there with their friends, maybe about six or eight of their friends. And I heard this loud music going on and I came up and I thought, that's, as I was walking up the stairs, I'm like, that's, that's pretty good music. These guys, these guys must have learned guitar. I mean, like overnight, how, how in the world did they do this? And so I come upstairs and this huge screen and they all had these plastic guitars. And I don't know, you've probably seen this thing. It's called Guitar Hero. And basically what it is, anybody can play this. You pick up the guitar and the computer tells you exactly what buttons to hit and you play the guitar. And the reason that I, I, I found this very fascinating is I think that oftentimes if we've committed our life to God, we think that following God now is like picking up a plastic guitar and anybody can just do it. The thing that's not good about Guitar Hero is it doesn't teach us that there's preparation to playing the instrument. I, I want to talk today about how I believe God has every single day ready for us to live for Him. But if we're not prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us, we may miss opportunities with God that He has for us to live with Him every day. My, my hope and prayer at Missionville Christian Church is that we as followers of Christ grow deep roots, that we have a deepened faith. And that's not something that's just like picking up Guitar Hero and just doing it off the internet. It takes preparation. It takes spiritual sweat. It takes being in the, the spiritual gym, if you will, to do the workouts, to grow in faith and to be stronger for Him. Now, I want to just point out before we get into the text that once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, man, it is done. Meaning we have salvation. It is a free gift. And God has given it to us because he did the work. He did the hard work of his death on the cross and the suffering that he went through and the resurrection of Christ on the third day. So once we receive him, man, we have joy. We have the forgiveness of sin. We know we're going to heaven because of what he's done. 
And now following Christ is not easy because we live in a world with temptation and pressure. In fact, I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. What, what, if, what if I didn't prepare this message? What if I just sat here and said, hey, you know what? We're just going to kind of go through some scripture. If you have something maybe that you want to you know, contribute, we can just go in whatever direction we just kind of feel. Man, there was some deep preparation because I care about you. I believe the word of God demands a preparation so that we can be um, inspired to live for Jesus and to go into a very challenging area of life. And so I just think that preparation and practice is huge. We're going to talk about that. When my son Michael was um, a teenager, we went out to Indian Wells uh, Tennis Center every summer. And they have the best of the best tennis players who go out to this tournament out in Palm Springs. And so when we go there year after year, there are certain stadium courts that we like to go to. I mean, you are right there close with the number one, number two, number three players in the world. But going there year after year, summer after summer, we found something that was kind of interesting. We, we, we would go to what was called the practice courts. And this was before the big matches were played. We found ourselves drawn sometimes to the practice courts more than the actual matches that they were playing because we found it fascinating of how they were training, how they were preparing, how they were practicing for the big match. And I think that uh, that would be a good lesson for all of us who want to continue to follow Christ is the practice courts, the preparation. How do we do that? So um, if we want a great marriage, um, it doesn't happen just overnight. If we want to raise children um, to the best of our ability, that's not something that just magically happens. If we want to get through school or we have a desire to go to college or we have a, a certain pathway for a career uh, or job, we know that it just doesn't happen. There's preparation and practice that goes into that. And so um, this particular occasion, I want to read from the third chapter now, beginning in verse 8. Um, they were, the believers, going through a lot of suffering and turmoil. And so um, Peter writes this letter, this particular uh, verses 8 through 22, to speak to the very fact that um, suffering should not stop us. In fact, going through suffering or false accusations should encourage us to continue to live the way Jesus wants us to live because people are watching us. Your testimony, your life and how you live is so important. It's so vital. We're not just taking up space here on earth. We have a certain purpose and a certain direction and a destiny to live for. And when we find Jesus Christ, man, it just it just brings it all together. So I just want to read here, picking up in verse um, eight, chapter three, that Peter has some specific words, even through going through this coronavirus right now, stay at home, all these things we're going through. I believe there's lessons to be learned right here that are very parallel in the book of first Peter. So we're going to read together verse eight. Finally, he says, all of you, meaning believers, I want you to be, number one, like-minded. I want you to be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because of this, you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For, verse 10 says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. He says, he goes on in verse 13. So who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? 
But if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with all gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those speaking maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So I just want to stop here for a moment and say this answers the question, so what? What does it all matter? What if, what if we live for Christ and we're going through suffering or there's people that talk, you know, false accusations against us or they may come against us. What, what does it all amount to? Why should I continue to live? And he says, look, it's so, so meaningful that you continue to live for Christ because your life is a powerful witness to those who may be lost, to those who may just be living in, in a huge question mark of, why am I here and where am I going? Even the fact that we may be in the middle of a crisis right now, we may be asking ourselves the question, why? Why are we going through this? Why do we have to stay at home? What if I get the virus? What's going to happen? Instead, I think we should be asking, God, what are you doing? And what do you want me to be involved in with you, God? That's really the question. I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't do well when I don't know why. Even as a kid, my, my father would ask me to do something. And I would say, well, why? Why do I need to do this, God? And so Peter speaks right here about if we want our life to be characterized with honesty, humility. He says a, a litany of things here, being oneness in, in unity, oneness in our marriage, oneness in the church, oneness in business, whatever it might be. Um, God is speaking very specifically that our actions, it matters what we do, it matters what we say. So um, in all of this, I think number one, what we want to uh, follow along in our outline, the first thing that I gather from this is that nothing happens without passing through the hand of God before it gets to you. Nothing happens without passing through the hand of God before it gets to you. The coronavirus, bankruptcy, social distancing, a tendency to ask all these questions, maybe losing money, maybe losing our position at job. And we ask ourselves why, but we have to be reminded, just like the believers were going through suffering and turmoil, is that God is not surprised by anything that happens. And if we've really put our faith in Christ, then we trust him. I find myself in times like this, wanting to trust God more than asking God, why are we going through this? So, so God is saying, I want you to be a people. I want your life to be a witness that you are in unity with me, in unity with my purpose. I want you to be very sympathetic to those that might be suffering around you, um, those that have lost jobs, those that have lost their way. Um, loving people is beyond anything that we could ever do. Um, being compassionate and being humble He's saying, I, I, these are things I want you to have, and these are the attributes I want you to have as Christ had those very same things. Um, I don't want you to repay evil for evil. I, I don't want you to think about how you can get that person back or all those things that we used to live, live by. So really what God is saying, we all live in tough times. We all may go, be going through some type of suffering, some type of difficulty, but people are watching us, which leads to number two, 
the thing that I, I, second thing I draw out of this text is that sometimes we don't need a reason, but we need, we need a revelation. We don't need a reason, but we need a revelation from God about, Lord, what are you doing here? And how do you want me to step into this, God? He, he says in verse 15, let's just um, take a look at it one more time. He says, um, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. So the first thing I, I've got to do is I, I've got to decide whether or not I'm going to live for Jesus full on, man. Is Jesus the most important person in my life? Is God the most important relationship in my life? And, and in order to give an answer, as he says here, I want you to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. So in order to give an answer, there's got to be a question. So uh, let's just play this out for a moment. You are humble. You are um, selfless. You are like-minded. You are sympathetic to others. All those qualities that he says there that are Christ-like. If somebody asks you the question, so um, how, come, how can you continue to forgive him? Uh, how can you continue to forgive her? Why is it that you do your work so hard here? How, how come at the workplace, there's just something about you that's different? Um, why would you continue to do right when I know you have opportunity to do wrong and you didn't take it? Um, why do you have so much compassion for these people that don't help themselves? Why is it that you care so much about the things that nobody else? What is it about you? And that right there, right there is the moment that we have an opportunity to give them an answer for why we do what we do. Now, here's the danger is to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I live for Christ. Yeah, I, I'm living for God. I'm doing everything I can. But our life doesn't reflect that. We live a dual life. We live a hypocritical life. I, I, I just want to speak here a moment to the followers of Christ that are living two different lives. What they say in the Bible, it's really called like a mask that we put on. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord, brother. And over here, we're completely living a godless life and, and we can't put the two together. And, and the people that are lost are looking at us and saying, hey, wait a minute. I, I thought you but you're doing this over here. So why would I follow your God? Or, you know what? I thought Christians were the most, supposed to be the most compassionate, loving people reaching out and meeting the needs of others. But how come I don't see you doing that? If, if, if it requires us to take a really good look at our life, a really honest look, why? Because I believe the gospel is so powerful to change lives. Jesus died. Jesus was buried and he rose again to bring us new life. And I'll tell you, the worst way to live as a Christian is to just go to a church service, to go to a building and just punch my time card in for God. But when we really set apart, he says here in verse 15, set Jesus as number one in your life, man. Number one. So question, why can Peter write this when, talk about hypocritical man, Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter stuck his foot in his mouth. Peter was the one who oftentimes uh, spoke out of turn when the other disciples didn't say anything. And Listen, I, I, I know that, that Peter didn't have his life uh, perfectly in, in a perfect order. In fact, he knew that. God never looked for perfect people. He's just looking for available people. Now, when Peter wrote this, he certainly was available. And he learned sometimes the hard lessons of saying one thing and doing another but God got him in a place through the power of the Holy Spirit where he understood that no matter suffering, pain, 
even somebody threatening my life, somebody making false accusations, I'm going to continue, as he says here, to put Christ in my heart first. And that way, I now have the ability to give an answer for the hope that lies within me. Peter and John, man, in Acts chapter 4, these guys were healing. They were doing miracles in the name of Christ. And they were sharing the good news. They were sharing the hope that they had in their hearts with people that did not have hope. In fact, it got so bad in Acts chapter 4 that Peter and John were called into the magistrates, into the, the high ups, the people that had all the authority in the Jewish uh, uh, hierarchy there. And they called them into the temple courts and began questioning these guys. And then they threw them into prison for no real reason other than they just wanted to get rid of them. Then they questioned them again. So Peter understood, hey man, whether I'm in this prison cell or whether I'm in the palace, Jesus, you're number one. You are first. I'm sure that Peter and John did not have plans, did not have plans of being in that prison cell. Just like today, I'm sure there's some of us maybe watching this. We didn't have plans of being in this economic fallout. We didn't have plans of catching the coronavirus. We didn't have plans of being, you know, under lockdown and our whole life has changed. I mean, we are definitely under a new normal. And what I just want to remind us in out of this text is that having faith in Jesus doesn't keep us from suffering. We're still going to have to go through difficulties and suffering. That's why I truly believe that God is positioning his people for a revival. A revival is simply something that was dead is now made alive. So, so here's the question out of verse 15. Are we truly ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in our heart? And giving an answer, I don't necessarily mean, it only means that we have to have certain scriptures and be able to defend the faith. We should be able to do that. But I think the other side of that is just helping people who have a lack of hope. And, and I found that, that one of the most effective ways to do that is just to do what Jesus said to love people where they are, to serve somebody, to offer somebody some help. And that provides a platform for your life, for my life to be different in someone else's eyes so that they might ask the question, hey, what makes you different? Why do you do what you do? And then we just simply share our story about how we met Jesus Christ as the Lord of our life. So going back to those verses that Peter said, in verse 8, sympathetic, loving one another, being compassionate, don't repay evil for evil, insult for insult, and being humble and like-minded. Question is here, as we're wrapping this up, how do I do that? How do I have those qualities? Do I just kind of sit and meditate and just, you know, contemplate my navel and just get into this nirvana, get into this, you know, spiritual part where I just connect with the universe and all of these qualities all of a sudden just, come on, that's ridiculous. I think that when Jesus commanded us to be compassionate and humble and like-minded with an attitude of humility and being sympathetic towards others, it doesn't just magically happen. It takes preparation. It takes practice. So I've found the best way to get better at following Jesus is to practice, practice, and prepare. Just like as I was sharing, my son and I would go to these practice courts and we'd find ourselves sitting there for hours because we're watching like the number three guy in the world um, 
practice and, and the practices are so intriguing. So what does it mean for us to practice? I'm so glad you asked. You ready? Okay, I want to turn in your Bibles over to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25, this is so cool because Jesus basically lays out for us what it's going to look like on Judgment Day. When we all stand before God, here's here's the way it's going to roll out. And just if you have your Bibles, Matthew 25, and then we're just going to jump down to verse 31 to 40. I'll just read these here. It says, When the Son of Man comes in His glory, meaning the second times, and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, come you who are blessed of My Father, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the entire world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. But then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? And this is what Jesus says. The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine and sisters of mine, you did for me. So here it is. Jesus says, if you want all these qualities, if you want strong faith, if you want to be able to walk with Jesus in difficult times and suffering and false accusations and times of fear and anxiety that we all deal with, you've got to be willing to prepare to live for the gospel. When did Jesus ever say that following him, I'm not talking about accepting Jesus, I'm talking about continuing to follow Jesus. When did he ever say it would be easy? When did he ever say, hey guys, to the 12 followers, get in the boat and it's going to be a cruise ship, man. We're just going to cruise along here. Just want to make sure you have enough lemonade. You know, the pillow is just in the right place. Excuse me, am I in your sunlight? Because I want you to be so comfortable here. No, man, they're going through storms. They met demons on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. There were all kinds of, of waves being tossed to and fro. Peter steps out of the boat and walks on the water. The other disciples are freaking out. I mean, really following Jesus, there was a lot of chaos, just like life right now. A lot of chaos going on. But keeping their eyes fixed on Jesus enable them to get through it and their lives meant something for somebody else to see who didn't know Christ. So in 1 Peter, as we just um, finish up here, 1 Peter chapter 3, I just, we just want to pick it up here um, towards the end of that chapter and then I just want to give us some helpful help here, some practical Um, steps on what we can do to make our lives different and in the preparation do something great for God so he says here in keeping a clear conscience this is verse 16 so that those who speak maliciously against you in good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their their slander for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than to do doing evil for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body that you may be alive in the spirit 
After being made alive, he went and made proclamation in the imprisoned spirits to those who were disobedient long ago when God awaited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. And only a, a few people, eight in all, who were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Man, what he's saying here is our reward is not here. Even for those who were in the Old Testament, God went there. Jesus went there and preached to those souls to bring them back. And that the, 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 the gospel is what brings us to relationship with Christ. And yes, we have to go through suffering. Yes, we, we may go through pain. But this life is in preparation so that we may be ready to give an answer. And listen, I, I've just found in my own life, it's, it's nothing that comes easy. If it, the, the, the more that we want to be closer to Jesus, we have to force ourselves to be close to the hurting, close to those that are in need. Get in our hands dirty for God, if you will, and help somebody who can't help themselves. And so and just wrapping this up, number one is making Jesus the Lord of our life. Listen, if you haven't done that, I want you to know God loves you. He loves you right where you are, not as you should be, but right where you are. And because of that love, he laid himself down on a cross and saved you. And so right now you can believe, you can receive Christ by asking him to come in your life and ask for forgiveness of all your sins and just tell him you're turning to you. God, I confess everything to you. And then we follow Christ. That's number one. And he says here beautifully in verse 21 that baptism is a wonderful picture of how death and resurrection have taken place in our life because we have given our life to Jesus. But I think number two is just some practical help. I think it's so simple. Jesus says, you are the church. I don't want you to just go to a church building. You are the church right where you are. Wherever you are right now, you carry my name. You carry my influence. You can make an impact. So doing it unto the least of these. I want you to pray and consider, God, what can I do to serve you this week? What can I do to serve somebody else? We have something here at MVCC called Operation X 245. And it just simply out of the abundance that we have so much giving to those that don't have right now. And you can drop off your non-perishable items into our food pantry. That's one way. I found another way is um, someone actually um, did this for our family, but they bought some gift certificates to a local restaurant, not only helping the restaurants here in our city, but to bless and help uh, others. And so doing that is, is a way of, of just reaching out and doing something to the least of these. I, I think um, another thing is maybe serving with an organization that's already in place. And we have some wonderful ways you can check out the website of how we can serve existing organizations who are in the process of already helping somebody else. And there, there is where we meet Jesus. It's not necessarily where we want to just meet Jesus on our own. We meet Jesus in the hurting and the dying and those that need something. So I often hear a lot, when are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to be able to go back to the building, back to church service? I, I tell you, I long to do that. But this is what I'm asking. God, I don't want to go back to the normal. I want to go back to something different. I want to go back to a 
passion. I want to go back, God, to following you with believers who really want Jesus, who are ready to come into a church building. And it's not about the building. It's about worshiping God and doing what Jesus called us to do. That's where it gets exciting. That's where it gets passionful is we live for Christ and do something for someone else. So I just want to encourage you today that God has already brought the victory and he simply wants us to live in that victory looking out for somebody who can't look out for themselves. Um, if you've uh, been listening to this message, I hope that you've been encouraged by this and most of all challenged. And maybe if you've received Christ today, I am so glad it's the best decision that you'll ever make. Um, MVCC is here to help you. And uh, if you enjoy this message and it helped challenge you, I just want to encourage you maybe to share this message with a friend. And we'll look forward to being with you next week at MVCC. Thank you.